important chapter for every Christian to know, and um, it would solve a lot of issues that go on in our world today. Um, in, in the Christian realm, one of the most difficult things, and the reason why we have so many denominations, is the Bible says every man is right in his own eyes. We were kind of talking about this on Saturday. Uh, and you can pray for Pastor Garrett. He's having a little bit of, uh, there's some doctrinal uh, concerns with some of the things that are taught at the new church that he's at. And it's, it's not so bad that there's a difference of looking at especially end time things. Um, but he was told by his pastor if he doesn't agree with his pastor's view that he won't be able to preach. And so that is where the problems start. And to be so uh, prideful in your view. And that's really what this chapter is talking about. So it starts with Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. So this is a very important principle in the scripture. We are not in a position to judge who's strong and who is weak, or what is strong and what is weak. Uh, but God is. And the Bible lays out very clearly, and we're going to see by the end of the night, that legalism and works salvation is a weak belief. That those who are strong in the faith have a life of liberty, a life of rest, a life of peace. And so if you look, notice what it says. There's a person who believes he may eat all things and a person who eats only vegetables. So which one does the Bible deem as weak? The one who is legalistically only eating vegetables. And in this New Testament salvation of grace a person who has a healthy relationship with God understands that God is not for us or against us based on what we eat he's for us or against us based on how we've accepted or rejected his son now we are as Christians uh, to care for our bodies we're to be healthy uh, we are not to get drunk with wine so we are not free just to do anything we want but when we get to the legalistic things and we start adding rules upon rules we become kind of just like the Pharisees so in this chapter it's talking about one who is weak in the faith for example you're eating something and someone comes to you and says oh Christians should not eat that I remember uh, years ago um, I was visiting a I was really young we were in I believe we were in Mississippi and we were doing door-to-door -door visitation and a 
the person I was with, we were invited in by a lady who had visited the church. She offered us coffee. Well, I don't, I don't drink coffee. So she offered us coffee, and she said, would you like a cup of coffee? And I said, no, thank you, I don't drink coffee. And uh, so the rest of the time, she was very distant, kind of cold. And I said, at the end, we said, well, well, we'd like to invite you back to our church, and, and uh, hopefully, and she says, well, I just, uh, I don't know. And I said, I said, is there a problem? And she says, well, yeah, I, I really like my coffee, and you guys don't drink coffee. And I said, oh, no, we drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. I just don't like the taste. She says, oh, really? I said, yeah. Oh, she says, I thought you were saying that as Christians you don't drink coffee. And, but there is the, the Mormons. Or is it Seventh-day Adventist, Larry? They, caffeine is a sin. It's a sin. Now, they would look at themselves as being closer to God because they're giving up caffeine and God actually deems them weaker in the flesh because they're still working to get God's approval. Does that make sense? So when we receive one who's weak in the faith, it is not to dispute over doubtful things or doubtful disputations. I like that phrase. And, um, and when we gather with Christians, debating over these things is is not welcomed by God. In fact, it's very clear in 1 Corinthians 8. Let's turn to the next book. 1 Corinthians 8 is a pretty short little chapter. But it, it, it lays it out. And this one, this really helped me. Uh, Liz and I went to a, a very legalistic fundamental Baptist college. Um, and it says this, concerning things offered to idols. And this is one of the main issues they had at the time. Um, and we're going to really hit this subject a lot tonight. Uh, but the subject is, many times when you would go to a place to purchase meat, sometimes that meat had been used in a sacrificial ceremony to an idol. And so many Christians thought it was a sin to buy and eat that meat. And you can really see where that would be plausible. You know, I think about myself at that time. That might be something, knowing my kind of legalistic brain at time. I don't think I would have eaten it. But here's what God says about it. We know that we all have knowledge knowledge puffs up but love edifies I've seen this in uh, in young people where parents pray for them to come to God and I've seen this in, in two or three instances in my life and that young person's you know kind of rebellious and then they kind of get their act together and in this particular case this young man went to a pretty legalistic bible college and so he went from completely rebellious to god to coming home and pointing out to his parents everything they were doing wrong and how they're probably not even a christian because they're not doing this right and not doing that right and they went completely to the other side well guess what 
they went to this college and got a bunch of knowledge. And what that knowledge do to this young man? It puffed him up. It puffed him up. Love edifies. Love encourages. Every one of us is walking with God on an individual walk. And we're determining the things that we, we, we think is okay to do and not okay to do. And we have to trust the Holy Spirit to convict us. So if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. So don't get puffed up and think you know everything, because you don't. We're learning constantly. This was my problem with uh, a pastor has information about eschatology that he gets from outside books and, and videos that he watches. But then his puffed up mind, once he has all of this knowledge, is, well, if you don't believe the way I believe, you are wrong. But love, that's where the faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. Therefore, knowing this, concerning the eating of things offered to idols. So here's God's answer. We know an idol is nothing in the world. And there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom all things are, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are all things, and through him we live. He says, look it, here's what is needed to know about idols. Idols are not real. There's only one God. And sometimes when we uh, see goth or Satan worshipers, you know, that's not real. Satan is not a God. He can't be worshipped. He can't give people gifts. He can't, you know, you can't sell your soul to the devil. I was talking about uh, a niece of somebody in our church um, that she really believes that she's being taught this crazy stuff about about satanic involvement in their family that goes back generations to generations and, and none of it's in the Bible Satan is not that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world so he says if a piece of wood is nothing then a piece of meat offered to a piece of wood doesn't change anything it's still just meat however Verse 7, there is not in everyone the knowledge. For some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not condemn us to God. Neither if we eat are we better or if we don't eat are we worse. So he says, but be careful. And I've, I've had a couple of examples of this in my life. I have a friend named Marty Cran. I meet with him here. I met with him on Thursday. Uh, he was very important um, to Liz and I when we first came to California. And uh, he will not go out to eat on Sunday. Just won't do it. And his conscience won't allow him to because he believes if nobody would go out to eat on Sunday, then restaurants would close on Sunday and the employees could go to church. So it really bothers him. And I'm sure all of you have certain things 
that you do or don't do based on personal conviction. And so every once in a while we would, after church, we used to go to church together and say, hey, we're going out. Oh, never mind, I forgot. And, and, but he wouldn't, it didn't bother him if anybody else did. He never looked at somebody and said, oh, I can't believe, he just says in his mind, if somebody is asking him what he wants, he feels like he's responsible for keeping that person working on a Sunday. And so he just wouldn't do it. And so uh, that's okay. That's what that verse means. Whether you eat, are you better? Or whether you don't eat, are you worse? It's, it's, it, God doesn't, it, it doesn't draw you closer to God or not closer to God based on what you eat. So beware, verse 9 says, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. So a couple of things. Um, um, years and years ago, I attended an event and somebody, it was, it was a questionable event. It was a, uh, and a family in the church called me and said, hey, are you going to this event? Because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel right about going. And I said, yeah, Liz and I are going. And they said, you guys are. You, you, and so they, they went. And as soon as they got there, they felt really bad about this event. And they went to Liz and I, and they said, hey, we got to go home. You know, we only came because you said it was okay. <laughs> and I, I realized that as a pastor, we've got to really be careful. We've got to be a little careful because people put a little too much emphasis, you know, and, and go ahead. Right. Because we hear that all the time. Well, this Christian told me. Right. So I think we all, anyone who's got a fish on the window needs to be careful. Absolutely. And very much so. And, and because really what this chapter is talking about is eliminating the meat, but getting into the love, isn't it? The love for your brother. And it, which means it's okay for me to eat meat, but if I know what offends my brother, I just won't eat it in front of them. That's why I know that it's okay to have a glass of wine or a cup of beer. But you'll never see me do it. Especially uh, when I was working around kids. Just, you know, and that's what drives me crazy because uh, over the last couple of years, Stonewood just found out that they can make a lot of money by selling alcohol at some of their fundraisers. And that really bugs me, bugs me a lot, uh, because kids are vulnerable. And uh, those high school kids, they get to drinking a lot earlier than they need to. And all of us has probably have that situation where they're not mature enough all the time to handle it when they get into their early 20s, and, and it's not good. Um, verse 10 says, if anyone sees you, who have knowledge eating at an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound the weak conscience of the sins against Christ, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. 
Oh, it's fine. Eat meat, just wood, just this. However, I remember, <laughs> this is Cliff Bennett, and I don't know where we were at. We were at some event, and they just served all the drinks, whether you were getting a Pepsi or anything else, in Bud Light cups. And man, did he ride me. I was just having a Pepsi, but he goes, Preacher, what do you got? I get my, honey, get my camera. I got to get a picture of this. People got to see that you're, <laughs> and I, I put a little napkin around it. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it's how it goes. So that's a great chapter. That great chapter lays it out much better than I could. Uh, go two more chapters to chapter 10. These verses are very good. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 10.23. So what Paul is saying is, is there's a lot of things I'm allowed to do that I'm just not going to do. Because the, and again, being a pastor or being a leader of young people, uh, boy, you really want to make sure you're not the cause of a person stumbling. Um, so it says, um, verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. We had a situation where I asked a question to a group of uh, teenagers and I gave him a scenario. You are spending the night at your friend's house. And the only uh, way that the parents would allow you to spend the night is if you went to church with them in the morning. However, their church does not allow young ladies to wear pants. You have to wear a dress. What would you do? Well, 90% of the class said what? You would wear a dress. But one girl said, well, I'd, I would just wear my pants. If they have a problem with it, that's their problem, not mine. Well, that's completely opposite of what these verses are talking about. Okay, let each one seek his, not his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. So God recommends that when you go to the market, you don't even ask if it's a meat offered to idols, so you won't even know. Just have it. But once you ask if it is, it's going to mess with your head. All right? And so, uh, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, everything. There, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that talk about the gift of God is to eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you. Asking no question for conscience sake. So when you go to dinner, is this offered this meat offered to idols? You just you enjoy. But if anyone says to you, This was offered to idols, do not eat for the sake of one who told you, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all his fullness. Conscience I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? So there is a principle here of 
always thinking about the others. And when you have a weak Christian who maybe is a little bit legalistic, um, for example, we love the Palmacombs. It's a great family. And uh, they have uh, some stricter beliefs. One of the things is, is the girls, they, they don't pledge to the flag. And the reason they don't pledge to the flag is because they pledge only to Christ. And I think that's a commendable attitude. And, but, and I've talked to the girls. I said, look, don't feel bad about it. We're with you. We're, we're good. And so uh, that's a personal conviction. So uh, debating over these issues, which, man, trust me, people, that's all they want to do is just debate and debate. So let's go back to uh, Romans 14. Verse 3 is the same principle. Let him who eats despise, let him who eats, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let him who does not eat let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? That's a really important statement. As a Christian, there's only one person you're going to give an account to. One person you're going to stand before, and that is God. He is our Lord. And so, I think all, all of us except for Courtney have children we probably experienced uh, somebody else coming in and disciplining your children and it can be a little frustrating you know I'm right here I you know because maybe some things you will now if, if you're at their house it might be different but I remember we were here one day and there was a person visiting and that was Ryan or somebody and they went running down the and say, hey, and they started yelling. They say, hey, get over here. Never run in church. Well, I don't mind kids running in church. It doesn't bother me. I like kids running anywhere. The Bible says God likes it when they play in the streets. So it doesn't bother me. Uh, but it bothered this guy. And he yelled at my kids. And I thought, ooh, that rubbed me the wrong way. Well, we go to God's children and we tell them not to do things that God says it's okay for them to do. Or to do things that God doesn't tell them to do. Who are you to judge to his own master, Jesus, he stands or falls? Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Now this isn't meaning, the Bible teaches very carefully, that if you have a friend or a loved one who's caught in sin... You're to go to him in love. There are things that are, are obviously biblically sin. But remember, these are doubtful disputations, meaning they're kind of gray area. Length of hair, dress or pants, those kind of things. All right? Verse 5, he gives another example. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. I've had conversations with Seventh-day Adventists, and there's, a, there's, there's one slight difference. I think it's honorable that they are trying to keep the Sabbath. 
I think it's honorable that they have a personal conviction that they want to keep that Sabbath holy. Um, however, we have biblical precedent for meeting on the first day of the week. What the difference is, I think it's honorable that they do, but I've talked to Seventh-day Adventists that have told me I'm going to hell because I don't go to church on Saturday. And that's where the difference is. And, and what you want to do is you want to look for the, the puffed up and the pride and the lack of grace and the lack of love. When you see that lacking, you're probably in the wrong camp. You're probably in the wrong space. Because right there, we have it very clearly that God is not as interested in what days you worship as we are. He who observes a day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. God says, look at, I'm not concerned what you're eating and what day you're going to church. If you're giving thanks to God and you're worshiping the Lord, that's what I'm concerned with. And that's what he's trying to get. He's trying to get us, uh, and especially the Apostle Paul in this early church, trying to get them to embrace their liberty, embrace the grace of God, embrace the fact that they're not under. Remember, they wanted the Gentiles to get circumcised. They started going back in Galatians to sacrifices. Hebrews got right back into the Old Testament. And we are past that. It's a new covenant. A new creatures in Christ. This is a new way of things post-resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. And each person lives to himself. And that's one of the keys for the rest of this chapter. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says this about the foundation of God. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.11 Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw. So, in the morning, we talked about, from 1 Peter, add to faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. And we, we went through those verses today. And... The foundation is Christ. And what you build on it is your kind of service to God. And so God gives six different materials of what you're building. Remember, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. So what you build in your life is either gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and straw. Look at verse 13. Each one's work will become clear, for God will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. Don mentioned James today, and James says that faith without works is dead. He says, I will show you my faith by my works. So when you and I stand before God as Christians, 
Our sins are already taken care of. They're as far as the east is from the west. So I don't know exactly how it's going to look when we're going to stand before God. But there is a uh, great white throne of judgment. And there, there's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ, which is right here, also called the Bema seat. And it's a, a, a place where we stand and our works for God will be tried by fire. And if you look at the end of verse 13, it says of what sort it is. So that's the key statement. So what does that mean? Of what sort of work it is. So there's basically, according to the Bible, two main types of works for a Christian. It's the works that we do for God and the works that we do for ourselves. And the Bible says very clearly that the works you do for yourself, he says, you have received your what? Reward. You've already got it. If you're working for popularity and likes and working for money and working for prestige, then you've got what you were looking for. And those are, I believe, wood, hay, stubble works that don't have an eternal purpose because it was just done for your own personal glory. But if you do all to the glory of God, the works we have done unselfishly for him and our motivation, what sort it is, let each one examine his own work, it says in verse, um, I'm sorry, verse 14. If anyone's work that he has built endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. It's not salvation. Yet, as through fire. And that's the idea of standing before God empty-handed. You see the nail prints in his hand or whatever he looks like, face-to-face, -face, not through a glass darkly. Everyone who ever came in the presence of God in the Bible fell on their face. And to stand before God with nothing to show for your life, I don't want that. I don't want that. And so, but it's individual. And it, it's, it's what you do. We live for our, ourselves. Um, let's go back to Romans 14. Not living for ourselves, but we are living uh, responsible for ourselves. I'm not responsible for anyone else's works. Um, verse 7. Romans 14, no one of us lives to himself, for no one dies to himself. If we live, we live to the what? Lord. Romans 14, 8. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose again and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Larry, did you bring this verse up? On, on, were you the one that brought this verse up to me this week? But it was the uh, someone brought up that 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 they were impacted by this verse because it says God is Lord of the dead and the living. So what do you what do you think that means to be Lord of the dead and the living? So who are the dead? Non-believers. 
We're dead in our trespasses and sin. And most of the world believes if I'm not religious, then I don't have to answer to God. Well, guess what? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So he is Lord of both the dead and the living. The living just recognize him as Lord. We've repented from that dead life and we have placed ourselves in uh, obedience to our Lord. But the world, they're, they're, like I said this before, there's no Switzerland. There's no neutral ground in spiritual warfare. There's no place to go. So verse 10, why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt to your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the Bema seat. Somebody explained it as a... That, that the Bema seat is actually uh, uh, a word used in the Olympics when they get their awards at the end and they stand on the platforms and they get their medals. It's, it's, a, it's a, not a place of punishment. It's a place of reward. And, and we stand before God. And then I, I know there's references in the, in the Revelation to laying crowns at the feet of Christ. Uh, but I, and there's also references to rewards. But I know that if I get a reward in heaven, uh, in my spiritual state I'll be in, the, the, the most natural thing would be to give those rewards to the one who really earns them which is Christ, and you pass him on because we can do nothing without him. So we're going to stand before him. For it is written, as I live, the Lord every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess to God. That's brought in the scriptures many times. Um, Galatians 6.5 says, each one shall bear his own load. So verse 12 says, Each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cost of fall in our brother's way. So our responsibility is twofold. Number one, to not be the judge and jury of another person's Christian walk. Now, we can disciple, we can encourage. If a person is really struggling his walk with God, we go to that person in love, but to judge another person's dress, their diet, their activities, be careful. And the second thing we want to do is not let our freedom be a hindrance to another Christian. Not put a stumbling block before our... And I see this at school a lot where you know, kids will say, oh, we watched this movie last night, and the kid will say, well, I'm not allowed to watch PG-13 movies. Oh, your mom will never know. And I take him to this verse. You're, you're being a stumbling block. You're drawing somebody into sin. Um, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, to not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know, verse 14 says, and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it's unclean. It's, a, it's such an interesting verse. And we have that. How you dress, uh, what you wear, uh, the things you, uh, activities. 
there are so many things that, that many human beings have just deemed unclean. And it's okay if it's unclean for you. Yeah, alcohol bugs me. Uh, but this, this goes back to our childhood and, and, and things that Liz and I have talked about a lot. Uh, even if I was not a Christian, I would probably hate alcohol. It's, it's, it's nasty stuff. I hate it. And uh, so um, our, uh, our head of school, the head of schools at Stone Ridge, I uh, showed Liz, they put a post on Facebook, and it's this giant kind of margarita thing. And she says, oh, I can't wait to get to this tonight. And I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But for her to post it on Facebook for all the kids to see just rubbed me the wrong way. Alcohol. But I, will, I always tell people, I have a personal problem with alcohol. It's personal. And I would, I've never preached from the pulpit that you shouldn't ever take a drink. Why? I don't, I don't have a verse to back it up. I can tell you not to be drunk. But I have said from the pulpit... I think Christians drink too much in these days, especially young Christians. And they do get drunk. Go ahead. By posting that, she's bringing up a stumbling block to her students. For me, it's. I agree, Rick. To me, it's kind of a vibe. That's why it rubs you the wrong way. Well, it's more than one way that rubs you wrong. So, what happened? You know, I guarantee some kids are going to get caught drinking this year. And they're going to go into her office, you know. So it, it, there are just certain things that are. That's what this verse is saying. There are certain things that are not unclean, but he who considers it unclean, it's it's a sin. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Don't destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. It's such a tenuous line, isn't it? Of the freedom and liberty to live our lives the way we want, but yet still being very conscious of how it affects those around us. The Bible says a brother offended is harder to win uh, than, uh, I forget what the rest of it is, you know, Liz? A brother offended is harder to win than a strong tower or something like that. Um, Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. And we tell you, many churches, legalistic churches, they completely focused on your works, what you do. And we ought to be focused on love, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. Righteous. That's, that's all the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Just love your brother. We're not here you know, for ourselves. And sometimes as Christians, things we are allowed to do, we don't do for the sake of others. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which may which one may edify one another. So that's your purpose. And how many of you, uh, you have, I think Don has talked about this a little bit, but sometimes you, you build a relationship with a person 
And they might be living life not in accordance with Scripture. But maybe they're not even Christians. So you don't partake, but you overlook. Paul said, I'm all things to all people. And then what happens, and I think Carol has done this, where, where people that she knows, that she's built good relationships with, they have a trial or a tragedy. And they go and say, can your church pray for my niece? Or I've lost my son. He was in a... And, but because we weren't micromanaging, nitpicky, legalistic Christians who point out to everybody what they're doing wrong, we have that door still open. Love comes first. Um, verse 20, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It's neither good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumble or is offended or is made weak. I will tell you this. You're still going to offend people. You're still going to offend people. Um, years ago, Liz wrote one of the most beautiful letters uh, to uh, her daughter-in-law. It was a beautiful letter explaining Liz, how Liz had uh, some of the things in her past and that, that brought Liz to the place that she was in certain areas. Um, but it brought conviction to her daughter-in-law. Not meant to. Because sometimes the word of God convicts. And the response is to be offended. And what do you get called? Judgmental. That's the word. Even though you go in love. So we pursue peace. The Bible says, if at all possible, get along with all men. Why does it say if at all possible? Because sometimes it's not possible. Some people's... And, and if people are struggling with God, they remember... The, there was nobody that got angrier than Paul. The, the, the Bible says after Timothy, after Stephen died, that Paul wreaked havoc on the church. And I believe it was pure conviction. That his, the testimony of Stephen and his battle, because God says, Paul, you've been kicking against the goads. So God acknowledged that Paul was struggling. And if you're struggling in your walk with God, the last thing you want is a Christian around you. You just don't. Verse 22 and 23 are some of my favorite verses. They're really, really good. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. That is a great verse, isn't it? Your faith is a personal faith. And... There are things that you can probably do that would bother me. And there are things that I do that if you did them, they would probably bother you. But guess what? We're all individuals. So what's the measuring stick in verse 22 as far as what is appropriate or not appropriate to do? Happy is the man who does not condemn himself. So how, 
What does that mean to condemn yourself? You feel guilty. And so that's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's your conscience. And a hundred times, a thousand times, over the last 30, 40 years, I've been asked this question. Pastor Flanagan, Mr. Flanagan, do you think it's a sin to fill in the blank? All the time. 90% of the time, they are looking for approval to do something they already know is not right to do. And my most common answer is this verse. And then I'll say, the fact that you had to ask me the question probably confirms that you're having trouble with this because you don't have a clear conscience. But if you're doing something and the Holy Spirit's leaving you alone, happy is the man who does not condemn himself and what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. Whatever is not from faith is sin. So boy, I don't know if I ought to eat this meat offered to idols or not. Well, what should you do? You don't eat it because you have doubt. Whatever's not of faith is sin. And all of us, it's kind of a daily routine with this, isn't it? Going through life, proving, disapproving. And, and, and I, I do things for just from uh, uh, when I get up in the morning. And this, this is a new world for me, the, the, the world of full-time pastoring and filling in my schedule. And, you know, when, when you got to be at class at 8 o'clock, you know where you got to be, you know. And, and so... So I'm, you know, okay, God, do I eat breakfast or do I pray? Do I study? Do I visit? Do I? And, and it's actually drawing me closer to God because I have to acknowledge him in all my ways. It's actually been a, a good thing. Um, but there are times when I'll be doing something and I'll say, you know what? I, I ought to be doing this instead. And the Holy Spirit guides and leads and directs. It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Um, and so there was... Uh, Someone asked me, to, they wanted to meet with me this week, and uh, I, said, I, I said no. I said no, I, I got um, busy this week, I can't meet with you. Um, I, I wasn't really, didn't really want to meet with this person. And then I said no, hung up the phone, and immediately, guilt. I'm like, you know what? I guess I'm supposed to, <laughs> I called him back, and I said, you know what, okay, I'll meet with you. So... Happy is a man who does not condemn himself in the things that he does. But whatever is not of faith is sin. That's how we live. But what we do is we have a church and a body of believers that is so hung up on other people's walk. Just focus on your own. And when you, when you have a Christian that is, is struggling in certain things, uh, meet with them. Not for doubtful disputes. If it's a sin, go to them in love and try to encourage them. Have the verses ready because we certainly want a disciple. But boy, days of the week, what you wear, how those kind of things, we got to leave them alone. You'll be happier, Christian. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these verses. Without these verses, I will uh, tell you I'm, I'm prone to be legalistic and I'm prone to be a little judgmental and I'm prone to be harder on myself. Lord, these verses are, are freeing to us. They 
uh, perfectly lay out your preference of what you say is a strong Christian compared to one who might be weak. So Lord, help us to encourage our weak brothers and sisters without putting a stumbling block. Help us to evaluate our lives as you tell us in Corinthians to do. Uh, Lord, to take inventory of our lives and just to obey you in Jesus' name.